Campus Management is a family-owned business that believes in good morals, doing the right thing, and treating our residents as family. Rose Management provides affordable housing to complexes throughout North Dakota and Minnesota. All Rose Management properties and our maintenance staff are in a centralized location in their cities. If you have any questions, you can call 701-237-6840 or online at rosemanagement.net. Again, that number is 701-237-6840. I think it's my two favorite programs, the Journey Home, just because I love stories, and I love stories of faith, and so almost always delightful to listen to. And then Alcrest in the Afternoon is my second favorite. Um, he has so many book reviews, and I love to read, and, you know, so many books, so little time, but I love uh, the people that he interviews, and, yeah, so those are my two favorites. Yep. I, I would agree. I, I really like uh, listening to the program Returning Home, but as Sean mentioned, I have a very early adoration hour, so I, I always listen to Mother Angelica and the, and, and the Holy Rosary on the way at 3.30 a.m., and, and then I and then usually, my at least in the, in the summertime, my routine is then headed out and run through a bunch of cows and whatnot, so I usually listen to, to Morning Glory and the Sunrise Morning Show and get all kinds of fun tidbits and some news, and, and it's really refreshing and enjoyable thing, something I look forward to when I step out of the church. In today's crowded higher education field, there's one university whose quality and personal care stands out from the crowd, the University of Mary. The University of Mary offers truly affordable, flexible adult education because your success is our priority. Here, you matter, and we're with you every step of the way to make sure you succeed. Choose a university community that cares about you as a student for life. Discover us at online.umary.edu slash discovermary. You're listening to Real Presence Live. Now, back to more inspirational and uplifting stories and a look at the extraordinary things happening in our local area. Heard right here on the RPR Network. Thanks for staying with us here on Real Presence Live. I'm Father Randall Kazel, pastor at the Church of St. Michael. I also serve at the Church of St. Paul in Zambroda. I'm the pastor and the Church of Holy Trinity in Goodhue, St. Mary in Belchester, St. Columbkill in Bell Creek. So hopefully we have some of our good faithful listening here in this area of southern Goodhue County. It's great that you're here with us on Real Presence Live, and I want to invite you to visit Real Presence, Lo- Real Presence Radio website. You find that at realpresenceradio.com for even more great Catholic content. And there you can listen to programming from your local area, find a podcast if you missed any of our daily shows, submit a prayer intention, uh, and see the latest cancellations or announcements concerning the coronavirus precautions. Be sure to check it out, realpresenceradio.com. And coming up next, we have a, a in here in the studio, we're at where my, my parish office center, we have Father Matthew Shireman, a priest of the Archdiocese of St. Paul. And Father Matthew, great to have you with us here. Well, thanks, Father Randall. Good to be down here and, uh, you know, in your, in your town for the first time. So. Right. Welcome to Pine Island. Welcome to St. Michael. And, Thank uh, you. Uh, but you have a special role in the Archdiocese. I know uh, a few months ago, uh, Archbishop Hebda and Bishop Cousins sent out a question or a request with any of our priests willing to volunteer to go to hospitals and to anoint uh, Catholic patients who are suffering from COVID-19. And we're eager to hear about those experiences with you. But before we get into that content, can you tell us a bit about yourself and about your life and your life as a priest now? Sure. Well, uh, 
I'm the associate pastor of uh, St. Elizabeth Ann Seton Parish in Hastings, Minnesota, also part of the, the southeast part of the archdiocese. I was ordained by Archbishop Hebda May 26, 2018, so recently celebrated my two-year anniversary. Uh, this is my second year at the parish. Um, grew up in Minnetonka, Minnesota. It's a suburb of Minneapolis. Uh, I guess I'm what you'd call a cradle Catholic. Uh, have an older brother and a younger sister. Uh, went to public schools in Minnetonka growing up. Uh, so let's see, I, uh, as I got to uh, high school, you know, senior year and looking at colleges, I only looked at one Catholic college, but it's the one that I ended up at, Marquette. Um, my dad's an engineer, so uh, I had this desire to be uh, to study engineering for a while, um, and so I went to Marquette and uh, spent five years there studying civil engineering uh, with a focus in transportation. Um, and it was there that I uh, began to get deeper into my faith. I got uh, I learned about daily mass, and they had a lovely uh, chapel there on campus, the St. Joan of Arc Chapel, which they would have um, 10 p.m. mass Monday through Thursday. Um, they had some masses in the dorms, too. I also experienced Eucharistic adoration for the first time there, uh, began praying the rosary, things like that. Um, and... Uh, Ended up going on to, to grad school uh, at MIT out in uh, Cambridge, Massachusetts, where I got a master's of science in transportation uh, with a focus in public transportation. Um, worked in the, the field a little bit uh, in Cleveland, Ohio, uh, helping to schedule buses and trains. And it's mm -hmm. there that I uh, finally applied to, you know, I, I had been gradually discerning a, a call to the priesthood and Finally got some clarity there that uh, God was saying there's something more, and I took that to mean the, the priesthood, and so got in touch with the uh, vocation director back in the Archdiocese of St. Paul, St. Paul in Minneapolis, who was uh, Father Peter Williams at the time, and uh, began the, the, the application process and entered that fall of 2011, and um, entered in the pre-theology program, and then... Um, so six years of study, um, and then, uh, like I said, got ordained in 2018. Wow, amazing. Well, thank you, Father. And we give thanks and praise to God for the vocation of the priesthood for you, and we give thanks to God for all the service you're doing. And right now, uh, our Lord has continued to give you specific uh, work and a call. Uh, the Archbishop, I know he asked for a priest to volunteer for possibly helping with the the. Uh, serving those who suffer from the coronavirus. Can you uh, tell us a bit about how that went for you when you heard that call went out? Because I, I know it went out to all of us, and there were certain parameters that the Archbishop gave that he wanted certain priests. And can you tell us a bit about uh, what that was like for you when you read that, and what did you think about that? Okay, sure. So, of course, um, the coronavirus was hitting our archdiocese, well, in the whole country, sort of middle of uh, March, um, like our parish had to shut down. Our last public mass was March 18th. Um, and then, you know, so ministry was very limited, especially for, you know, the, the next, uh, well, next few months. Um, we, 
I would uh, listen, or, you know, read up on articles about some of the other dioceses like Chicago, Boston, uh, who, especially Chicago, we ended up modeling this uh, priest, or the COVID anointing core team after. Um, and so they had chosen priests to, to be trained in how to, uh, to, to visit those COVID patients. Um, and then, so when the the letter went out from Archbishop Habda, uh, it wasn't it wasn't a big surprise. Uh, you know, you could sort of tell that it was uh, probably going to come for our archdiocese. And there were different requirements, like they weren't looking for pastors so much because, um, you know, we, we we also just didn't know a lot about the virus at the time. Like, mm-hmm. um, you know, if if somebody were to get sick, how you know how 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 likely was somebody to get sick if they're visiting somebody in the hospital? We just didn't know that. Um, and we were also looking at priests under 50, priests in good health, so things like diabetes would disqualify a guy. And so um, there was a, a large response in the archdiocese. There was over 30 priests who... Uh, you know, discern that, well, you know, I'm going to at least volunteer. They don't have to accept me. They ended up accepting uh, 13 of us got trained. And at least personally, like, there was, uh, you know, the aspect, okay, it's exciting, like, you know, to actually be able to be sort of on the front lines helping these people and those, as they're close to death, um, receive the sacraments, receive God's uh, God's uh, presence uh, in, the, in the form of the priest, um, but then there's also the fear too. Like, okay, I don't know if I'm going to get COVID as well, you know. Uh, and so after talking with you know, like my spiritual director and some other uh, important people in my life, I decided to to volunteer. And um, knowing that uh, they were going to choose priests sort of on a location based on location in part, I figured, well, there's a good chance I'd be selected. Um, mm-hmm. There's not that many priests that qualified in our part of the archdiocese um, that met all those requirements I mentioned. So um, that happened at the end of April um, that we um, then got trained. We had uh, first a, a session via Zoom in which uh, we had some Catholic doctors, Catholic nurses, uh, we had the the man who was in charge of the program in Chicago, um, so talk to us about uh, what to expect through this, and then uh, the following Monday we we got together in person for mass, and then to to learn how to uh, properly uh, they call it don and doff the the PPE the personal protective equipment so how to take on take off, um, and then it was. Um, we were basically starting the ministry. There was one guy who left, went from the training to the first anointing. Mm-hmm. I got my first call the next day, uh, which was a little bit intimidating, uh, honestly. Um, we were still working out our system and, and everything, and um, you know, since then we've uh, you know made made adjustments and that sort of thing. So, um, can you share with us, Father? How does it work when a call happens? So who who gets the call, and then how does it get to you? Can you tell us about that process that's set up? Sure. Um, 
So there, there's a COVID hotline, which um, only a f- few people have access to. It's basically uh, pastors of parishes and sort of pastoral care workers. And so, um, you know, they they hear of, you know, maybe a parishioner who's uh, sick with COVID or, or in a place where it's sort of under lockdown because of COVID. Um, I guess also the you know, the different administrators of these healthcare facilities have, have the number too. And so there's always a, um, a Catholic, uh, nurse who's, uh, fielding those calls. We call it triage nurse, right? So, um, that nurse will, uh, he or she will, um, take down all the relevant information and, and begin to assess whether this is somebody who qualifies. Um, right now it has to be somebody who's basically actively dying um, mm-hmm. just because there's a limited number of us. Um, and so um, after it's been determined that that person qualifies, then they then they start um, putting into place, okay, um, when are we going to do the anointing? And then f- figuring out uh, which priest to send. And it's, it's often based on, okay, which priest... Uh, has it been a while since they they did their last anointing? They don't want us doing, you know, several in one day. Uh, try to try to um, sort of limit our um, uh, anointings to maybe a couple times a week, something like that. Um, if there's one that's per- particularly close to a, a guy, you know, location-wise, they might send that guy. Um, and then so then we start getting the the text or the calls from the nurse who. Then we, we we say yeah yeah we can we can do that this is when we can go, um, and then they give us all the the relevant information where, uh, what have you, and then uh, we just make sure we have everything we need for the anointing, especially the the cotton ball with the anointing oil, and get on our way. So. Very good, Father. Wow, that's amazing. Thank you for your serving in this way. And we're going to go into a break here in just a few moments. For our listeners, we're live here with Father Matthew Shireman, uh, the parochial vicar at the Church of St. Elizabeth Elizabeth Ann Seton in the uh, Hastings, Minnesota. He's a priest of the Archdiocese of St. Paul, Minneapolis, and he's been selected to help in a special way to care for those who are gravely ill with COVID-19. We're going to take a break here now. We'll be back with Father Sharman to share a little bit more about this specific ministry here in the Archdiocese. Stay with us. There's more Real Presence Live to come on the Real Presence Radio Network. S.J. Machine, proudly named after and dedicated to St. Joseph, provides quality machining and induction heat treating to a variety of industries. Just as St. Joseph worked diligently to meet his family's needs, S.J. Machine strives to understand and meet your production needs. Prototype to production, working together toward success. S.J. Machine can be reached at 701-347-0155 and are a proud supporter of the Real Presence Radio Network. If you are experiencing depression, anxiety, or suffering, especially from grieving, how can you find healing? I'm Father Chris Alar. While you should first seek professional help when needed, there is a roadmap that can help you to live your life again 
and it is called the Spiritual Principles of Divine Mercy. First, come to admit that you are powerless over the loss of your loved one. Second, come to trust that Jesus can restore your life to manageability. And third, make the decision to entrust your will, your life, and your loved one to the loving care and protection of God. Join us and learn more about how to apply these healing principles in your life. Please visit suicideandhope.com so I can personally pray for anyone you've lost and to get our book, After Suicide, There's Hope for Them and You, which helps with any kind of suffering or loss, not just suicide. I promise it will help. We're excited to announce the special broadcast of the Episcopal ordination of Bishop-elect Peter Mewich, the next bishop of the Diocese of Rapid City, Thursday, July 9th at 10 a.m. Mountain Time, 11 a.m. Central. Listen live on the radio, online at realpresenceradio.com, and via the RPR app as we bring you this joyful celebration from the cathedral in Rapid City. It's the Episcopal ordination of Bishop-elect Peter Mewich, Thursday, July 9th, 10 a.m. Mountain, 11 a.m. Central. You're listening to Real Presence Live on the Real Presence Radio Network. Join the conversation on our Facebook page or on Twitter. And be sure to like and follow us for more great Catholic content. Now, back to the show. And you're back here, Real Presence Live with Father Randall Kiesel, live from the Church of St. Michael, Pine Island, Minnesota. Thank you for being with us. And if you're interested in learning more Catholic material, look at realpresenceradio.com, the website for Real Presence Radio. Uh, we're blessed here to have Father Matthew Shireman with us this morning, uh, continuing on in our segment here. Uh, Father uh, Shireman has been asked to help and volunteered to help when asked uh, to anoint those suffering with COVID-19. And he's undergone some specific training and has been actively doing this great work of charity, this great help. But Father, uh, can you tell us more about what it's been like for you to get on those calls and go into the hospital and uh, what you've seen in patients and your experiences of ministering in this most unique way in our time. All right, sure thing. Um, so maybe just to give some numbers too. So um, so far the, the 13 priests trained through the Archdiocese have done something like 220 anointings uh, um, related to COVID. Now, not, not all of them are people with COVID. Um, and depending on... Uh, the guy's assignment, you know, it differs how many anointings they've done. I've done 16. Uh, there's some who are pastors who have maybe just done a couple. And then we have our hospital chaplain. Some of them are uh, doing a bulk of the anointings. So it's, for me, then, it, it averages to be about two anointings per week. And so I'm basically always on call, except on my day off. Um, and... Uh, so I, I always have my stuff in my car just in, in case I, I get the, the call. Um, so usually it's just one anointing and most, uh, at least initially, most of my anointings were coming from uh, assisted living facilities or um, maybe sort of independent senior housing. Uh, and then it took a, took a little bit to, for us to get uh, into some of the hospitals because they, they have their own protocols and all that. Uh, but I've been to two hospitals for a number of anointings at this point. Um, there's one time that I did three anointings in one, at one uh, institution. Um, 
there was, you know, um, like I said earlier, I've been ordained uh, just about a little over two years, and I had my first experience of somebody dying in my presence uh, as part of the, being a part of this anointing core team. Uh, it was a person who didn't have COVID, but um, the the facility was very strict on who could who could enter, and so um, I think shortly after I had given uh, the apostolic pardon and uh, the, the anointing of the sick, you know, I continued with the prayers. Um, the person's spouse was on the phone. Uh, much, much of their family was there in person, and. Um, Anyhow, I finished the anointing, and uh, the spouse, and they had me start to talk to the spouse, and the spouse was saying, oh, so, you know, my, my spouse died, or, you know, has, has died? And I said, well, no, no, uh, person's, you know, your spouse is just hanging on, you know, and then the, the family corrected me. Um, no, the, uh, the spouse died, you know, just just a, a few moments ago. And so, uh, just being... So wrapped up with the the prayers and everything, I hadn't hadn't noticed that the person had stopped breathing. But um, mm. um, so just just a powerful experience of um, God coming to that person and the, um, the person being able to receive those last rites, um, you know, just at the very last moment of their their life. So that was that was pretty powerful. And then the triage nurse I was working with was just uh just really moved by it too so yeah that amazing story uh you know timing is always god's and and even that that last precious moment what a blessing that you were there that you were prepared and and that you were the one able to go there that's a a great blessing uh that the uh, you know that we share as priests but when when it happens and you experience that mm-hmm. you know it kind of it, it i'm not sure if you would quite phrase it this way maybe you would but the idea is is that it's one of the reasons why we become priests for those moments that it's a, a great reward when we see that we've helped someone on the last step of the journey into the next life that, and we see it right there. So yeah, uh, definitely. So thanks for serving in this way, father. Any other experiences you can share with us of people when you've gone to anoint them and what sort of reactions you've had or what you've seen our Lord doing in their lives in those uh, moments of anointing. Cause it can be a quite a scary time. Uh, but what, what have you seen? There's a uh, a guy anointed in a hospital. Sort of that experience uh, stands out to me too. Uh, he's a younger man with you know uh, some young kids, and um, and so he was, you know, he he wasn't uh, as far along with the the illness as most of the people I see. Most most of the ones that I, I've seen um you know it's very clear that they're going to die soon but this guy was rather lucid um and um apparently earlier in the the day he had been um uh, lacking peace let's just say you know like didn't want to go on a ventilator that sort of thing and uh you know just just being able to bring the sacraments to him um you know, his nurse was saying afterwards that this, that, um, the fact that he was at peace then, um, um, she took as, you know, a sign of, of, of real good fruit there. Um, and that's, that's partly why we're doing it too, you know, just, to, um, 
to bring peace to not only those who are suffering with it, uh, to their family members. You know, not not all of them are uh, able to be present. You know, in fact, most of the time, the family isn't present when I'm, I'm doing this. But um, I've, I've been able to follow up sometimes with the, the pastor or or the family just to just to let them know that I've I've uh, you know gone in and and, and anointed. Um, a person that they're, that are concerned about, and that just that brings them a lot of peace, um, you know, because the sacraments, uh, you know, we know are very important. We know too that God can work outside the sacraments, but um, with this, you know, just uh, going through some extra procedures, um, the the PPE keeps us safe. We know that we can bring um, God's love. Christ's presence to them in those in those very uh, difficult moments. Mm-hmm. Yeah, thank you, Father. And it, it might be good to touch on one aspect of this. I, some of our listeners and maybe you, some parishioners, you're still active in the the parish, right? Were you serving as the assistant priest uh, for Father Hennon? Correct. Yeah. When you know when I volunteered for this, it was uncertain as to uh, we didn't know what what our life was going to be like for the, the next year plus, you know, where, where are we going to have to move out of our rectories, for example, where are we going to have to not be involved at, at our parishes, you know, like there was some unknowns. Uh, and so what was decided was that basically for, for most of us, we, we, we were able to stay in our rectory. Um, there's one guy who moved to a different house. Um, and then, uh, you know, with with the the PPE, um, you know, just being careful of how to take it off, especially, and then you know, showering, taking a warm shower when we, when we get back home, and washing our clothes on on hot uh, in the hot water. Um, you know, just like the the doctors and nurses who are on the front lines each and every day. Um, you know, it's it takes uh, you know the risk of uh, then be, becoming infected ourselves is goes from low to to very low, and um, you know we just go along with the normal precautions that everybody else has. You know, um, wearing a mask when we're a mask when we're in public, uh, and that sort of thing, and washing our hands regularly. Um, and so, as far as I know, none of none of us uh, anointing priests have. Uh, exhibited any sort of symptom so mm-hmm. far, and that was also the case with Chicago, at least by the time we were doing our training. So, so if I understand you right, no, none of the thirteen priests have contracted the virus or exhi- exhibited symptoms, at least. Mm-hmm. Right? Do you also are you expected to get tested for the being positive periodically? Well, um, since testing has been you know somewhat limited, um, let's see. I, I'd say. I would think that most of us have not been tested. Um, one of the, I know one of the hospital chaplains uh, has been tested and and came out negative, and um, that just reassured him of just how good the PPE works, right? So, yeah. so the the protocols and protecting you, as I can imagine, many might be concerned. They're praying for your protection. You know, that brings up another part of this. Can you share a little bit about the prayer protection part that happens that we're we're aware of and I think people will be inspired by that because many of the faithful out there will, how can I help this priest or any mm. priest who goes to anoint someone with the coronavirus? Sure. Well, there's, uh, in this digital age, there's been a, um, 
uh, a good prayer support team set up and um, how it works is um, through the Archdiocese there's a, a, a texting service that people can sign up for um, that the, um, they'll get an alert when a priest or maybe multiple priests are going out to anoint uh, individuals through this COVID hotline um, and so uh, they're encouraged to pray one Our Father one Hail Mary, and one Glory Be. And that's for uh, the sick person, uh, the priest, and the, and the family that's um, of the, the, the loved one. Um, uh, and specifically, we're asking for the interse- intercession of St. Roque. Uh, he's one of the um, holy helpers. Um, Archbishop Hebda has a special... Um, experience related to him in one of the parishes back in Pittsburgh where he's from um, during uh, the previous pandemic back in the earlier part of the 20th century they asked for St. Roque's intercession and nobody in that parish got sick with the the virus. Wow. Um, And so it's been just powerful knowing that there's so many people um, praying for us. Mm -hmm. Uh, Yeah, I know some uh, that that information went out through, through the Catholic spirit, so the faithful could sign up to receive those text messages. I know that my some of my parishioners are signed up uh, in our area here between Goodhue and Zambroda and Pine Island, and and they tell me every now and then, Father, I was praying for one of those priests, and they they I know I was asked, do you happen to know who it might be? I say, well, no, but I pray for Father Shireman because he's the one in our deanery uh, who's going out and in our area in particular. So, um, well, Father, you're doing great work. Thank you for your courage and your willingness to serve in this way. And any last words before we go on our next break that you could share with us? Well, um, you know, I just encourage all of us during this time of uncertainty just to offer up um, those little new, uh, uh, inconveniences that we have. You know, maybe we don't like wearing a mask. Maybe we know somebody affected with COVID. Um, and just to offer those up for the, for the good of others. And I also just encourage you, if, if you or someone you know um, has COVID and, and wants to receive an anointing, just start by contacting your, your parish, right? So maybe there's some way that um, you can get that, those last rites then. Very good. Father, thank you for being with us this morning. All right. You're very welcome. And thanks for all you do. Up next here on Real Presence Live, doctors told her that her son would only be a burden But now she speaks to us and speaks up for those who have no one else to defend them. Stay tuned here on Real Presence Radio to learn more.